Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nicole. Hey there, Shelly. How you doing? Good. How are you feeling? I'm doing okay. Getting there yeah. slowly. Slowly, but surely recovering. Yes. Yeah. Pain in the neck, but mm-hmm. I'll get there. Have you noticed like a difference with your shoulder yet, though? Like, I know you're still uncomfortable from the surgery, but uh, no, because I can't use it the way that in any way yet. And it's using it that was the problem. So I have no idea. I mean, it is a slow recovery surgery. I'll tell you that for sure. I expected myself to be feeling a lot better. And I'm a little surprised that tomorrow's two weeks out and I'm still going, woof. Mm-hmm. No, well, it looks like it's a major surgery. It is. Yeah. So it'll, you know, today I've got a doctor's appointment, my follow-up to get my stitches out and to talk about when I'll be starting physical therapy and what to mm-hmm. expect. So I'm actually looking forward to that because it's felt like two very slow weeks. So mm-hmm. kind of like finally getting to the doctor. Let's see. Right. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you look good. <laughs> you don't look like you just had the major surgery. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the um, things about you is that you just like always look good bitch. Oh, <laughs> like, oh my gosh I like brushed my teeth pulled out, like rolled out of bed brushed my teeth put a little cover up mm. under here we are my me. you know who could always do that is my mom mm. she could always just roll out of bed kind of like comb her fingers through her hair a little bit yeah. and brush her teeth and look great and yeah. I'm like no I have to put on makeup or else I look scary I have to like <laughs> right so this week we are going to be talking with brandy cummings about thyroid and breastfeeding but first Uh, let's do our favorite of the week all right (laughs) do you want to go first sure my favorite of the week is the fact that i'm doing nothing right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) i can't even think of something because I'm kind of stuck. You can't do anything when you're one-armed and recovering from surgery. And it's January. So work is very slow mm-hmm. and I can't necessarily just like leave the house because I, I have like only use of one arm. I can't push a grocery carriage or mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm very much staying in the house and watching TV, watching a ton of Netflix. Right. And that's pretty much it this week. So yeah. And I know uh, you're uncomfortable. Yeah. That sounds kind of nice. <laughs> Those were like, this is that, this just shows how unbalanced my life is. But when I had my gallbladder out and I had my wisdom teeth taken out, yeah, that was like the best thing ever because I had an excuse <laughs> to just stop and not like a legit excuse in my mind. Like, I don't, I don't have to make any excuses to rest. That's just right. on my part. But in my mind, I was like, no, this is actually justified. You don't have to feel guilty for sitting on the couch for a week. That's kind of where I'm at too right now. Like there's nothing I can do. And yet my whole life, I'm always like, need to be productive, need to be active, need to be doing all the things for everybody. Yeah. 
now I have no choice. So it is kind of like, well, I guess I should try to enjoy what I can out mm-hmm. of it. Kind of yeah. in pain, not in pain. I, uh, there's some enjoyment to be had. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. You and I are like, <laughs> like, and I think I can always tell when I'm getting too overwhelmed or starting to get a little burnt out because I'll be at the hospital working like a hospital shift. And I'll be like, maybe I should have another baby so that I could stay in the hospital for three days after having the baby. Your meals are brought to you. Housekeeping comes and cleans your room. There's no other kids around. And then I'm thinking, what am I thinking? Because first of all, I do home births. I don't even give birth in the hospital. I'm like, that's when I know that I need some time off when I start having thoughts like that. Like, Like, wish I could get really sick for like a month. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I knew it got bad like a couple months ago when I was like, it's getting COVID doesn't sound, this is a terrible thing to think. So don't come after me people (laughs) because I know how terrible it is. But I started to think like, you know, if I did catch COVID, that would be like, I would have to rest and that would sound really nice. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I need to work on my balance so bad. Because yep, who goes yep. around wishing for COVID just so that they can get rest? Right. I think most moms are, are wishing for something at some point or another during raising their kids and trying to work and doing everything we're doing. That sometimes you're like, you know, if I fell down a flight of stairs and like broke my leg, it wouldn't be bad for a little mm-hmm. while. <laughs> I can rest. I mean, it's it's crazy thinking, but do it because we're we get burnt out. Right. And what does that say about, you know, our culture, our society where even, you know, most women are working, but they're still carrying the load at home too, at least in heterosexual relationships, not so much in same sex relationships, but yeah, it's crazy. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Well, I am sending healing vibes your way through the screen. (laughs) I will keep checking in on you and let me know if you need anything. I'm only a 20 minute drive away. Yep. yep. Um, so my favorite of the week is I got my new office keys yesterday. Yay! Yeah, I'm so excited. This has been something that was supposed to happen last April, but COVID shut that down and delayed yep. it and delayed it and delayed it. So now it is finally done. I finally signed the lease. I put down the first and last, and now I have an office that I need to furnish and decorate and get right. set up. So John and I are going to IKEA this weekend. Yeah. IKEA is funny because you never know if your marriage is going to quite survive <laughs> a trip to IKEA, <laughs> depending on, you know, how much you need to get. Right. I feel like if you go in well-fed and hydrated with a plan, you do okay. But if you show up like hungry and you're like, I don't know what we're getting. We have to go look, you know, it's just, you end up fighting. <laughs> oh, I have an idea. Yeah. Oh, it's- Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. I'm really nervous. I'm still going to be offering home visits, but now I have an office and I just feel like it's going to be easier for me to control like sanitation, like cleaning and disinfecting yeah. versus, and I love doing home visits, but sometimes it's hard to control like someone else's environment. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. I'm so happy. Yeah. Congratulations. Can't Thank wait to you. see it. I know. I can't wait till you're feeling better. So you can come. I know. You're going to have to help me decorate because that's your thing. I love decorating. <laughs> oh, I will help you. I bought oh. all these like boob prints and I bought boob um, throw pillows and stuff. Oh, fun. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going to need help getting that like clean because basically yep. what your house looks like. Yep. You like my house. Like house. <laughs> I'll help. All right, let's move on to our question of the week. Sounds good. So this question was asked 
on Instagram, someone DM'd me with this question and they said, are there really benefits of breastfeeding past a year? Such a good question. Yep. And how did you respond? I said, yes, of course. <laughs> of course there is. It's not like your baby has their first birthday and all of a sudden the immune properties go away and, you right. know, and breastfeeding a one-year-old is not breastfeeding. It's not like breastfeeding a newborn, like one-year-olds right. are not breastfeeding every two to three hours or whatever. Right. Like maybe once or twice a day. Right. Yep. Yeah. Once they get their feet under them, they typically want to take off running and it becomes right. Yeah. Right. So it's mostly for like um, soothing or to go to sleep or, or whatnot, or they bump their head and they have a yeah, comfort. I used to like head off tantrums that way too. Oh yeah. If I saw them like gearing up for a temper tantrum, I'd be like, you want, and we called it nanas in my home. You want nanas? <laughs> and in fact, the first, when Brooks, she self-weaned when I was pregnant with Summer yeah. and I wasn't ready. She totally was. But I was like, are you sure you don't want to wean? It was like hard for me. But then the first time she had a tantrum, I was like, I don't know what to do because I always just <laughs> solved it by shoving my boob in her mouth and I couldn't anymore because she didn't want to. I'm like, right. So we had to like figure it out. Yeah. But yeah. Breastfeeding, you know, we kind of wean our babies very early in this country. Breastfeeding past the year, definitely still, it's definitely benefit. It's the, your milk changes to match your child's age, helps their oral and facial development. And then- I'm sure you know, Nicole, about the, the benefits for reducing cancer. Right. Um, yeah. Especially yep. breast cancer for, for every right. year that you breastfeed, your chances of breast cancer or your risk of breast cancer go down by 7%. That's right. So let's Pretty say you incredible. have, yep. You know, this should be talked more about more than buying pink things, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Right. Because if you have three children and you breastfeed- right a year, each of them, that's like a 21% yep. reduction in your risk of getting breast cancer. That's, that's huge. Incredible. That's right. Yep. I totally agree. And I think that stuff needs to be talked about because people are always focused on the baby, which is wonderful, but there is all, there are also so many benefits for the breastfeeding parent because, you know, osteoporosis is reduced, um, risk mm. of that risk of breast cancer is reduced. Heart disease. Um, yep. Yeah. So or Ooh, your risk of, um, diabetes, especially if, it, if you have gestational diabetes and your risk of getting the other types of diabetes go up later in life. But if you breastfeed that kind of counteracts that risk. Incredible. Yeah. No, it's so amazing. But yep. the important yep. thing, the most important thing is you breastfeed for as long as you want to. That's right. End of story. Full stop. Exactly. As yep. long as if you're happy, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah. It's your body. It's your choice. It's your baby. Right. And it's no one's business. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Very good. I totally agree. People need to, to buzz off, man. I know. Yeah. Why, why are people asking about your boobs anyway? If they are? <laughs> exactly. I never exactly. understood that. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why is it your concern anyway? Something about getting pregnant and having a baby. And then everyone thinks that your business is their business. Everybody thinks you're stupid when you get pregnant and have a baby and that they have to tell you all the things because yeah. you have like, for some reason, people treat pregnant and breast and pregnant um, parents and new parents like they're just totally dumb and they've got to fill their head with all of their experience and all their information mm -hmm. and leave yeah. no room for um, the parents instincts and uh, information and knowledge to right. formulate their own parenting. Yep. Right. And I think part of that is just we like to share experiences and stories 
I think that part is natural, but to bombard, you know, a newly pregnant parent with, you know, your horror birth story or whatever, you know, or talking about all the things that went wrong for you or all the things that they should do is probably not the best way to go about it. Right. Totally agree. Yeah. That was a great question. Yeah. Yep. All right. And we will be back with Brandy Cummins. All right. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about one of the biggest obstacles that I see expecting and new families facing when they're having a baby, and that's lack of support and community. I know that having a baby can be overwhelming. There's so many resources out there. Some of them are better than others. You never quite know if you're getting the most updated evidence-based information, and also there's the lack of support. So that's why I created the Baby Pro Bistro. You can join the Baby Pro Bistro and get monthly support before and after your baby arrives. The Baby Pro Bistro provides you with all your prenatal and new parenting needs. So when you join, you get the prenatal childbirth education class, the prenatal breastfeeding class, the prenatal newborn care class, and the prenatal infant sleep education. You also get postpartum information like a starting solace webinar, community support, and expert speakers who talk on various subjects such as infant massage, and pelvic floor health. I'm so excited to announce that this week we are interviewing Brandy Cummings from Pivotal Origins. She is a certified nutritionist trained in functional medicine, and she is here to talk about our thyroid during pregnancy and if we have time, a little bit about postpartum too. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you so much. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So... I am Brandy and I opened my nutrition practice in 2016. And at that point I opened it because like many people who are in this industry, I was overcoming some of my own health issues. And so I got into nutrition and saw how much of an impact it had on my own life. And so That's when I got into nutrition. And then I decided after having my daughter, that whole process of starting my family from preconception to postpartum, I just felt like there were major gaps in support in every step of the Mm -hmm. way. I thought that there was a lot of things fell through the cracks and there wasn't a lot of congruency from beginning to end. So after I kind of got through that time period, I was like, you know what, this is not okay with me. I mean, I was in preconception, I had a miscarriage, and I didn't get any support around that. I actually literally got kicked out of the urgent care, like they wouldn't even see me. And, you know, no support around that. Or, you know, when I got pregnant again, I didn't have my first visit, which is totally common until first trimester is almost over. And Mm -hmm. so no conversation about, you know, all the neurodevelopment happening at that time. And I had to switch care halfway through my pregnancy and postpartum, you know, I had my one visit and it was basically just, yeah, you know, you're good. Everything's fine. And in reality, I had really bad anxiety and I was suffering. So I got through that period. And then I started talking to other women and realizing that my story is not 
unique. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't special. It was really common for there to just be this kind of lack of congruency and things falling through the cracks kind of all along the way. So that is when I kind of shifted my practice and really started focusing on this time period in people's life because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of room for improvement, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. And I would say like, you're right. Most of us who work in the childbirthing community kind of jumped into our careers because of that lack of support. Like doulas usually become doulas because they had lack of support during labor and delivery. And a lot of lactation consultants become IBCLCs because they had a lack of support with breastfeeding. So it is like a common theme. I don't know too many kids or I didn't growing up that were like, I want to be a lactation consultant when I grow up or, you know, I want to be a doula or so it's always, I feel like it's a unique community where you just kind of fall into your career unexpectedly after having an experience like that. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. And I mean, I'm always shocked at how many people don't even know what a doula is or what a midwife is or what an IBC ELC or, you know, even just a lactation, you know, consultant is, and yeah. they have no idea, you know, it's right. just not a part of our normal standard of care, at least in the U S right. Yeah. Can you explain what you mean by trained in functional medicine for anyone who might not know what exactly is functional medicine? Sure. So functional medicine is kind of a philosophy of really looking at the root cause, looking at the person as a whole, understanding that everything is connected. You know, you might go to your GI doctor, but when we look at GI in isolation, we're missing so many other things that are contributing and playing a role. You know, our organs are kind of this interconnected web and they all work together. And it's really when we're thinking about regaining our health and bringing everything into harmony, it's impossible to look at things in isolation. So we are really going deep and kind of looking at all of the roots that play a role in our health. Mm -hmm. So that's nutrition, hydration, movement, stress management, past trauma, underlying infections, our environment, our relationships, our genetics, all of this, big life events, even how our mom's pregnancy and birth was with us, all of this gets taken into account because it all matters. And so after I opened my practice, at that point had gone to Bowman College and was a nutrition consultant. And then I was like, I want to be, I want things to be more clinical. You know, I want to be diving deeper and going just, I wanted more. And so Mm -hmm. that's when I decided to go back and I got my master's in human nutrition and functional medicine. And so that's where I got all of that training and it completely changed how I operate in my Mm -hmm. practice. You know, we really, those first couple sessions, we are just really diving deep. I offer functional lab testing. Mm -hmm. And so I can really look at how things are working on a biochemical, you know, on a cellular level in a really profound and comprehensive way Mm -hmm. that sometimes Western medicine doesn't do. Yeah. Um, I'm never one to have an attitude of like us versus them or that functional medicine is better than conventional medicine. 
I really, truly believe we're better together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always, you know, just working to bridge that gap and get offer people the very best that both modalities mm-hmm. have to offer because they both have lots of pros. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I can tell you, like from my experience with functional medicine, I had some health issues going on for quite a while. And I went to multiple doctors and some of them ran like a simple thyroid test and was like, oh, you're fine. One of them told me like the issues that you're having is because you're getting old. And I was like 34 at the time. It's <laughs> like, I don't think 34 is very old where I should yeah. be having these issues. So I finally got referred to a functional doctor by a friend and he figured out that I had limes which was totally missed by all the other doctors because he wasn't just looking at this is your symptom. He was looking at like my life holistically and all my body systems holistically. And so I do think I am a huge fan of functional medicine, especially when you've, you know, been working with conventional providers and you're not finding the answer. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the thyroid. And I can tell you as a lactation consultant, like thyroid's a big thing because it can Mm -hmm. affect milk supply and things like that. And often I find, you know, if we've explored other reasons for low milk supply, and I recommend that the parent go and get their thyroid checked, a lot of the providers are very resistant to that for some reason. Or they might say, okay, I'm willing to do that for you, but they only will run like free T4 and nothing else or something like that. So Mm -hmm. it can be, it's, it's sometimes it's like banging your head against the wall (laughs) just to like, because as an IBCLC, I can't do lab tests, but it's always nice to hear that there are providers out there willing to do them and willing to do like the comprehensive lab tests. But tell us a little bit about like pregnancy and thyroid and why is your thyroid important for pregnancy? Things like that. Okay, perfect. You know, it's it's when you were telling me that I just had a client not too long ago and she was asking her doctor, I said, you know, here's the list of tests I would like him to run, you know, let me know when the results come in. And they literally said to her, no, we don't do that. That's not how we do things here. And if mm-hmm. you don't like it, then you need to find another provider. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. The the amount of times I've heard the doctor say to the parents, we don't do that. That's it. Like there's no explanation. There's no flexibility. It's just like, we don't do that. We don't do those tests. And it's like, come on. I know it's just crazy. And it's crazy because the thyroid is so important. So, you know, it's this little butterfly organ in our throat, but it has, it plays a role in so many aspects of our life when we are pregnant So your thyroid produces really important hormones, right? And we want just the right amount of these hormones when we are pregnant. And during pregnancy, the baby is using the mom's thyroid hormones throughout that first trimester. And so when our thyroid is off, that's one of the reasons why our thyroid can contribute to increased miscarriage because the baby is also dependent on the mother's functioning thyroid during that first trimester. Afterwards, the baby's own thyroid hormones can kind of kick in, but this is one of the reasons why I'm always talking about, you know, preconception prep and first trimester. I just feel like that whole period. I mean, I had nobody talking to me about anything in the first Mm -hmm. trimester. It's basically just the way it's treated is like, well, 
let's see if this sticks, right? Like, let's mm-hmm. see if you stay pregnant and then we'll make an appointment. It's just not, yes. it's not okay. Yeah. Um, I think with my second pregnancy, I called the OB and they were like, well, we don't, we won't see you until I forget how many weeks because a lot of women just miscarry anyway. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. It's horrible. I mean, all of the, there's so much happening in those first 10, 11, 12 weeks. And it's just, Nobody knows. I mean, I bet you could ask a hundred women like, okay, what part of the baby is like formed and developing that first trimester? And it's just not part of our education, you know, and it's not okay. So thyroid can, when our thyroid is off, we have increased risk of miscarriage. We have increased risk of preeclampsia, preterm labor, increased risk of postpartum hemorrhage. We can have an increased risk of C-sections, and that's mostly because of these other complications that can happen during pregnancy. It can impact the baby's neurodevelopment, which again, so much is happening in that first trimester. And so all of these things are kind of relying on a well-functioning thyroid. And when, after we give birth, then we are at increased risk of if your thyroid was fine during pregnancy, after we give birth, then we have increased the chances of postpartum autoimmunity go up. And postpartum Mm -hmm. autoimmunity is so common, so common. If you ask women who have Hashimoto's or some sort of thyroid disorder, if you ask them when their symptoms started, many of them will say within the first year after giving birth, This is another area where I just feel like we're really dropping the ball. You know, we're not looking out for this and it's very well cited in the literature. And we have this increased chance of this postpartum autoimmunity for lots of different reasons. It could be because of how our pregnancy was, nutrient status during pregnancy. Also, there is this thing called microchimerism, which is basically like this mixing of blood between mom and baby. And so sometimes we can launch a response to that mixing of blood and that can contribute to it. If we have delivery via C-section, there's more of this microchimerism. So there's more chance of that happening. And then also just the rapid rebound of hormones, right? So all of the things, so those are all the things that kind of contribute to postpartum autoimmunity, but just in general, things that can contribute to our thyroid being off would be, of course, nutrient deficiencies. The thyroid is, it's nutrient dependent. You know, every organ of our body is nutrient dependent, needs certain nutrients to operate efficiently. So if we don't have those nutrients, it's going to be harder for that to happen. Our gut health, you know, if we have leaky gut or if we have something going on in the gut, like overgrowth, Mm -hmm. candida or SIBO, something going on, all of that can have an impact. There is our HPA access and our adrenals. If our stress response, if those are off, that can impact our thyroid. If we are using a lot of chemicals from our environment that can throw off thyroid, that can definitely play an impact. So things that we're putting on our body, thing, chemicals that we're ingesting that are in our mm-hmm. food, all of those can play a role. And also any sort of underlying infection can also 
play a role in the thyroid. So lots mm-hmm. of different things that can kind of throw things out of balance there. A lot of those things are pretty much living in postpartum worlds, right? If you have a big, you know, you just went through this huge hormonal event, you're not sleeping well, you're probably not eating well either, unless you have a really good support system set up and all the things that you just described, you're stressed, you're overwhelmed. So your adrenals are being affected. I work with a lot of parents who I, you know, when we're exploring low milk supply and I say, you know, when's the last time you had your thyroid check? And they're like, well, during pregnancy and it was fine. I'm like, well, now you gave birth and things change in the body. So it might not be anymore. So we should get that checked out again. And also, what does that mean when you got checked mm-hmm. during pregnancy? Like, was it just TSH or what, you know, what does that mean? Right, right. Or something, you know, the thyroid, the ideal thyroid levels for lactation is different for non-lactating. So sometimes if the providers are willing to run the labs and they come back and just say to the mom, like, oh, they're all within normal levels. Well, they might be within like non-lactating normal levels, but with lactation, the levels are a little different, the ideal levels. So. Yeah. And the symptoms of thyroid being off are so broad. You know, I mean, there's common ones. This is what I find often, you know, postpartum is people be like, you know, I have mood swings and my Mm -hmm. hair is falling out and I can't lose weight. And they go to their doctor and it's just like, yeah, welcome to motherhood. That's what happens. And then no further investigation happens. I'm always tired. Well, yeah, you just had a baby. Right. Exactly. So those are kind of the common symptoms I see, but I mean, there's so many other symptoms, you know, that can Mm -hmm. be due to our thyroid being out of balance. So, yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about how nutrition comes into play here? Yes. So, well, it pretty much comes into play in every aspect. Our food is you know, very basic level, our food is our fuel, you know, our body functions on what we're giving it to function off of. Mm -hmm. And so specifically to the thyroid, you know, we need really important nutrients like selenium and zinc and iodine, all of these are required by the thyroid. And so, you know, selenium, very easy to get in Brazil nuts, like even just a couple Brazil nuts a day has lots of selenium, zinc, shellfish, organ meats, really good form of zinc, Mm -hmm. Uh, organ meats, all animal products, quality really matters. And especially with organ meats. So the best quality that you can get your hands on iodine. Of course, there's iodine in all of our table salt. I like to get iodine more from see vegetables and consume salt that is much more natural and really rich in other minerals. But all of these things are really necessary for the thyroid. But remember, it's impossible to look at things in isolation. So we can't just be thinking about the thyroid. If we want to support the body, we have to support all of its functions because everything is connected. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we think about okay, how's our gut health? You know, do we have some sort of overgrowth going on? Do we have some sort of underlying infection? And what we eat can dramatically change for better or for worse, how these things are kind of manifesting in our body. Mm -hmm. You know, gluten sensitivity is connected to thyroid dysfunction. 
And so are we sensitive to different foods and are we eating those foods? And then our body is constantly just kind of having to deal with this constant influx of all of these foods that we're sensitive to and that we're launching immune responses to that's exhausting on the body. And then we're having to deal with the way that all of those responses that we launched kind of manifest Mm -hmm. in our body. So, I mean, nutrition kind of impacts everything that could disrupt the thyroid nutrition can play a part in. Mm -hmm. What exactly is leaky gut? Because I feel like that's a term that's been thrown a lot and like around a lot, but I also feel like a lot of people don't quite understand what it is. Yeah. So in our small intestine, the lining of our small intestine is a whopping one cell thick. And so if you think about all those cells lined up in between those cells are something called tight junctions. So we can have leaky gut in two ways. If those tight junctions are not intact and not so tight, um, things can start coming through the middle in between those cells. Also, depending on the health of the cell and what's going on through different transporters, different compounds can also come actually through the middle of the actual cell. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, when compounds are coming through the small intestine and entering the bloodstream, when they shouldn't be, well, now our body sees it. You know, our digestive tract is a closed system, right? From mouth to anus, it's a closed system. It's just a tube. What's in our digestive system, you could kind of say it's not really in our body because it's this closed system. But once those compounds come out and into our bloodstream, now our bodies can see it and we can launch an immune response to it. And so if this is happening again and again and again, that's where we have, I mean, it can launch an autoimmune response. We can have this underlying infection. That's where we can start having overgrowth and an imbalance of our microbiome. And so leaky gut is really just a term for the integrity of our small intestine being compromised. What are some things that would compromise and cause leaky gut? If we're eating foods that we are sensitive to, I also want to mention on the other side of that, sometimes Like I'll see people that have had like a food sensitivity test done and there's just a huge list of foods that they're sensitive to. But after we work on the gut and the integrity of the gut lining is restored, well, now those particles from those foods can now not come through. So we retest and that big list of foods that they are sensitive to dramatically shrinks. So I always like to put out that caveat about food sensitivity testing. If you do it and it comes back with just all these foods, Remember, we're always thinking about what's the root cause. Are we really Mm -hmm. sensitive to these foods or is it our digestion isn't where it needs to be? But foods that we're sensitive to that we are eating can definitely cause leaky gut. If we have an imbalance in our microbiome, this kind of balance of good bacteria and quote unquote bad bacteria, if we have infections in the gut that can cause leaky gut. If we have an influx of chemicals and that Mm -hmm. we're eating pesticides, chemicals that we're breathing, 
chemicals that we're drinking in our water, all of those can have an impact and kind of increase that overall permeability. And if you think about it, you know, something that would affect or upset the microbiome balance is of course, antibiotics, right? And how many parents are given antibiotics during labor and delivery? Tons, right? So then the baby gets your, their microbiome from the parent, but if the microbiome of the parent was kind of like wiped out or imbalanced can affect the baby too. So this really does have like far reaching effects on not only the parent's life and body, but sometimes even the babies. Yeah. I actually did my capstone project for my master's degree was actually on the impact of maternal stress and the infant microbiome. So it was really fascinating to see. So stress obviously is another thing that can impact the integrity of the intestines. So it was fascinating because stress during pregnancy can impact that infant microbiome. You know, we used to think that the microbiome of the baby were sterile when they were born, right? And Mm -hmm. now we know that that's not the case. And when mom is pregnant, if we're under a lot of stress, that is impacting that infant microbiome. And then during birth, you know, if we have a C-section, we miss that kind of vaginal pass through the mom's flora there. And even breastfeeding, if the mom is more stressed out when she's breastfeeding and those stress hormones are coming through the milk and then going to the baby that has an impact too. So this impact of the maternal stress on the infant microbiome can happen, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. It was really fascinating. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is fascinating. So we kind of touched on the types of foods that can cause leaky gut and change the way your body is functioning, including your thyroid. And let's say there's someone listening here and maybe she's like, I don't eat healthy, quote unquote, and I don't, I have a lot of food sensitivities and maybe she has hypothyroidism. Is she like, is she like right in thinking like, oh my gosh, am I just screwed? Just <laughs> mess up my body for the rest of my life? Or are there, is there something that we can do? So one thing I always tell my clients is remember that the body wants to and has the ability to return to homeostasis. Sometimes when we're doing all this talk, it's really easy for people to get a sense of kind of doom and gloom and like, oh my gosh, you know, especially when we're talking about health of their baby, they're Mm -hmm. like, wow, what did I do? I messed up. The body is really resilient. It wants to and has the ability to return to homeostasis. And I always tell people it's never too late, right? Every step that we take towards supporting our body matters is a good thing that we should celebrate. And so, no, I don't think people should ever have the attitude like, well, it's too late for me, screw it, you know, and then just give up. It's never too late and we can always do things to kind of support and bring everything back into harmony. Mm -hmm. So when you're working with a client, can you kind of take me through the process? Like, what does that look like for you and for the client? Sure. So it depends on what stage of their journey that they are in. So I created this word called pannatal. And the definition of panatal is just that entire period from preconception to postpartum. And 
you know, like I was talking about in the beginning, there was just this lack of congruency and consistency throughout that whole time period. I mean, wouldn't it be lovely if you met your midwife or your provider, whoever it was, three months before you got pregnant, and then you had all of this support the whole entire time. And so if I start working with people preconception, that is my very favorite, because Mm -hmm. then we have time to do this preconception kind of prep. And so if we start then, if we start preconception, what that looks like, usually with my one-on-one clients, we, the initial couple sessions are all about data collection. I have a really intense, not intense, but in-depth intake form that Mm -hmm. gets filled out. I take in all of that information and I kind of map things out on a timeline of your whole life from when your mom was pregnant with you until now and everything that has happened, big events that have happened in your life, maybe different procedures that you've had or different sicknesses that you've had or all these things that could be contributing to where we're at now. And I map this all out and then I map all of the kind of symptoms that you tell me on this matrix that's kind of divided into different structure or different functions of our body. And depending on where things kind of fall on this matrix, it gives me an idea of kind of where to start. I look over any labs that you might send me. Oftentimes I will, we will do some functional lab testing depending on what's going on. You know, I love doing a genetics test. I love doing a urinary organic acids test, stool test, looking at the microbiome, an environmental toxic test. And I love the Dutch test for hormones too, to kind of see where we're at. When I take in all of that data and kind of add it to my working, to just all the thoughts that I have working here. One of the things I kind of joke about is I feel like observation is my superpower. And I often say, like, I could have been related to Sherlock Holmes. You know, I just, that's one of my strengths is I just have this ability to kind of take in all of this data Mm -hmm. and just make sense of it and then spit it back out in a way that is more congruent and connected. And that makes sense to people. So the going through that process, that's what we do first couple sessions. It's a lot of data collection. You know, I'm making recommendations for quick things that I'm seeing right off the bat and then making a much more deep and thorough plan, depending on what I see in all of this data that I have Mm -hmm. collected. And then from there, we start on our plan, you know, we course correct as we need, and we are really diving into each of the If you Google like the functional medicine tree, Mm -hmm. you will see an an image of a tree and you'll see roots on the bottom. And so from then we're diving into each of these roots. And I kind of rattled them off earlier, but like nutrition and hydration and movement and stress and relationships and infections and all of these things that impact our health. So from there, we're diving into each one of those because again, you can't look at things in isolation. Everything is connected. And then as, you know, if a person gets pregnant, obviously we change things for, to support pregnancy and then postpartum, we change things again during pregnancy. I like to see people at least once per trimester 
and then at least, you know, one or two visits postpartum. So it just depends on when they come to me. Mm -hmm. And that will decide on kind of where we go first or how deep we go from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I love how individualized it is. You're looking specifically at that person's history versus like a different provider might be, again, just looking at the symptoms and going down like the textbook checklist. Like these are the tests we have to run and whatever they come back as saying, and that's the answer versus, yes, let's run these tests, but let's also look at your sleep or things like that. Yeah. A lot of people have said like, you know, when they're doing my intake, it's like, why do you, why is this question on here? You know, it's usually nobody seeks out a functional practitioner first. Usually people come to me or other functional practitioners after they've been through a few other types of practitioners. Mm -hmm. And so usually my feedback, if it's their first experience with that type of practitioner is like, wow, I can't believe like I never would have thought that this would be connected or that this would be somehow relevant, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a new, it's definitely a different experience if you've never worked with anybody in kind of that functional medicine space. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Yeah. And you know, you had mentioned like psyllium, was it that you had mentioned in the Brazil nuts? Selenium. Selenium. Thank you. I knew I was, didn't sound right when I was saying it. (laughs) Is there any, and I know it's everyone's their own individual and this answer might vary depending on who's asking it, but there are there general foods that you would generally recommend to the public to support like hormone balance postpartum or during pregnancy and the thyroid? Yes. So when we are pregnant or newly postpartum, food quality is really important. So that's not a specific food, but I always mention food quality because, you know, when we're pregnant, all of those chemicals can go through the placenta. You know, we've tested cord blood from babies and there's hundreds of chemicals in there. And so food quality, doing the best that you can to a point where it it doesn't cause you more stress. You know, we don't, whatever you can do, Mm -hmm. good thing, right? I mean, I don't, I like to avoid this feeling of like doom and gloom any decision we're making towards this path is a good thing. And so the best quality that we can get is really important. As far as specific foods, variety is essential. There's lots of different, again, that's not a specific food, but (laughs) I'm getting there. But variety and food quality just need to be at the top of people's minds. Mm -hmm. For specific foods, I love egg yolks. Egg yolks are so nutrient dense. They are a really good source of choline, which is an absolutely essential nutrient during pregnancy. And they are really important for the production of sex hormones and for brain development. So I definitely recommend egg yolks. Liver is one of the most nutrient dense foods that there are. Again, quality really matters here, but it is jam packed, like ounce for ounce liver compared to other meats or other foods. 
you really can't compete with liver. I mean, it's so full of folate and B12 and iron. I mean, it's just jam-packed. It is high in preformed vitamin A, which you want to be cautious of during pregnancy, not to get too much of. So like three ounces a week or so of liver would keep you under that threshold as long as you're not eating a bunch of other preformed vitamin A. So I'm not talking about like beta carotene in carrots. I'm talking about preformed vitamin A that's found in animal foods. So if you're taking a lot of cod liver oil or eating a lot of organ meats, we just want to make sure we're not kind of over 10,000 IUs or so of vitamin A, but three ounces a week of liver would be amazing. And if you don't love liver, you can't pate is a great way to get it in. Really? There's lots of recipes. There's even like a, there's liver capsules that you can take if you're just absolutely like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, But (laughs) I just finished up an AIP summit. And one of the speakers had a recipe for like blueberry liver muffins, which sounds crazy, but was unbelievable. So (laughs) there are ways, right? If there's a will, there's a way. So Mm -hmm. liver is awesome. Beet kvass is really nice when you're pregnant. It's a blood builder and you're going to get some good probiotics in there, making sure that we have lots of good, healthy fats. We need fats for all sorts of development, neurodevelopment, kidney development, prevention of behavioral problems. We need enough fat and cholesterol. And so again, with fats, quality really matters. And so making sure we're having good quality olive oil and avocados or nuts, grass-fed butter, all Mm. of these very nutrient-dense making sure we have enough omega-3s. So wild-caught fish, shellfish, again, are super nutrient-dense, kind of like liver. When you are pregnant, you know, I don't recommend downing a bunch of raw oysters, um, (laughs) but there are ways to get in in shellfish and reduce the risk of food, foodborne illness. So I think those would be kind of my top superfoods for pregnancy and postpartum. Mm -hmm. Those are great suggestions. I love that. And egg yolks, I've heard before, choline actually helps prevent plug ducts too in the postpartum period, which is nice. I have a parent that has repeatedly plug ducts and we talk a lot about incorporating more choline in their diet. My husband has tried liver, but he didn't like, I feel like if he bought better quality liver, he might enjoy the taste more. Yeah. Quality definitely matters. When my daughter's first started eating solids, her first food was liver pate and whipped bone marrow. So if that gives you an insight into the type of house we have, Um, (laughs) but the pate recipe that I did for her was kind of sweeter. Like I sauteed it with some, I didn't use onions because that wouldn't have made sense for a six month old, but I sauteed it with some allspice and like some apples and some other spices that I can't remember. But for you, if you are making it, you know, you could put in onions or some salt or things and then blended it up. And that was kind of nice because it gives it sweetness and a different mm-hmm. flavor. So that's one thing to try. Also, you could go the other way instead of going sweet, go salty. And if you mix it with some 
bacon that kind of adds some saltiness to it. And then once you have it made, if you mix the pate with good quality cream cheese, if you can do dairy, then that just kind of milds out the flavor and Mm -hmm. makes it more delicious. Yeah. I just wanted to mention a couple other things that I thought of while I was saying all of that. Postpartum, I also recommend making sure we have lovely warm foods. Warmth is so good for healing. And so Mm. it's great. It's easy to have smoothies or things like that, but to really have warm foods and broths and warming spices like ginger and and turmeric, all of these are really great for healing after birth. Yeah, I totally agree for sure. I feel like this is such an important topic and we could probably talk about it all day if we had time, (laughs) but I know you've got some great information on your website and you have a Marco Polo channel. So tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. One note on my website, I have a thyroid guide on there that kind of goes into everything that we talked about and also lists out all of the thyroid tests that I recommend testing, you know, so we don't just have TSH RAM, but we have this full complete thyroid panel. So all of that is on my website for free. And then I have a Marco Polo channel that I started because one of my goals like I said, is to bridge that gap, right? Between functional and conventional medicine. And I want people to feel, whether they work with me or not, I want them to feel empowered and confident in being able to have a dialogue with their providers. It should not be a monologue of them just talking at you, Mm -hmm. but I want people to be like, hey, I want to have a conversation about this. Here's what it says in the literature, like, let's have a dialogue about this. Because one thing I always tell my clients is you are in charge. Don't give me the power, you know, don't give anybody your power. You're in charge. This is your body and your health and your life. And I want people to feel really confident and kind of taking on that role. And so I started this Marco Polo channel where I review all of the current research that I'm keeping up on as far as functional medicine and functional nutrition topics, because I find that people don't want to, or don't know how, or don't have the time to jump into the research and see what's on there or know how to pick apart the statistics or kind of extrapolate how that might apply to their own life. And so it's just an easy way for me to kind of summarize to them what's going on in the literature. I provide all the links. And so that people can take that information and start having dialogues with their providers. Your providers are on your team, not the other way around. This is another thing I always tell my clients, build a team of practitioners that you would send a Christmas card to, you know, like you want to be so close. (laughs) You would send them like they're on your list, right? For Mm -hmm. your Christmas card. That's how you want to feel about your team. And so I'm sharing all of that on my Marco Polo channel, and it's a good place. People can pop in and ask questions, have a conversation about different articles. And so I'm happy to give everybody listening a free month to that. And I'm sure we just can include the link. Yeah, I can put the link in the show notes. Yeah. And you said you had a, is the code that you're going to provide for the free month? 
Yes. So the code is VIP trial, Mm -hmm. and that will give you a free month to pop in and just kind of join our conversation over there. That's awesome. Yes. We'll definitely put that in the show notes and we'll link to your website as well. So they can download the thyroid guide and you're on Instagram as well. And that is at pivotal origins, right? Yep. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yep. And you put a lot of great stuff on Instagram too. I love your Instagram channel. Thank you. Well, this was such a great topic. It was really interesting. I love the work that you're doing. I love that there are people like you out there supporting parents in a way that they can't really find elsewhere within the medical community. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Shelly. It was great. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaffIBCLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaffIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.